Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com The setting was super fancy. My colleague Jace and I scheduled an interview with a PR strategist for our research. We'll call her Grace. And we got a voice actor to read her lines directly from our transcript. I was like very good, I felt, in marketing. Even if I'm a peer person, I would handle the shoots, I would handle the concept, the pegs and everything. And even the taglines and then the hashtags. I always guarantee a hashtag to a client because I'm sure it's gonna go number one. Grace first told us she'd have us over in her apartment. Then she changed venues said she would treat us to drinks in their hotel bar. Yes, the hotel bar. She actually lives in a luxury apartment connected to a five-star hotel in the business district. We asked her how she got into doing PR for politicians. I felt that they were all ignorant with social media. They had no creative juices. What I see in the province are the usual faces. Puro mukha nila. One thing about marketing, kailangan maganda to win in anything. Diba, yung mga politiko, ang papangit, showbiz for ugly people. So I was at the peak of one mountain in Santa Monica. I felt that I've overcome a lot of the competitions with the other industries. Every time I enter a war, I find a way to win. To me, everything is war, like in marketing or whatever. A lot of times, I won. This is where our story begins. Hello, I'm Jonathan Ong, disinformation researcher and professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst and Harvard University. And I'm Kat Ventura, a journalist and executive producer at MOA Podcast. In this podcast, we take you deep into the shadowy world of political campaigns, paid trolls, and disinformation networks in the Philippines. This is Catch Me If You Can, powered by Puma Podcast. Hello, Jonathan. We're back. And this is episode three. Yes, and this is so exciting. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We're already getting so much engagement and tweets from everybody. So good to be here. So we started with trolls, and then we went to influencers. And now we're at the top tier. These are the big guys, no, Jonathan? So these are the head trolls, the trolls behind the trolls. In our research, we call them the chief architects of network disinformation. And we reveal in our report that they're likely to be coming from advertising and PR agencies. So these are people who do corporate PR and also do sidelines for politicians, especially during election cycles like right now. Mm-mm. Yes, definitely. As we unpack the top tier, uh, just some things to note. We are using transcripts from Jonathan's research before. So what we're doing now is, and you heard it a while ago, we got a voice actress to read some of the transcript and to sort of try to bring life to their stories as well. We will also respect their anonymity 
because we understand the industry and how it works. And of course, as we've been saying dito nga, from the beginning, they don't want to be called trolls. No one actually calls them trolls. And it's like an open secret, but a secret nonetheless. Yeah, so this week we have a very special guest, my co-author for Architects of Network Disinformation, Jason Cabanas, who is professor at De La Salle University Department of Communication. Welcome, Jace. Thank you, Jonathan and Kat. So very happy to be part of this podcast of yours. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Jace, um, we want to take you down memory lane and hearing the transcripts come to life with this voice actress. Let's revisit the story of how we met Grace and what we learned from her story. So we first heard of Grace during an interview with another participant for that project. This guy was a tech expert. And he said that he knew someone who was involved in doing political campaigns. This tech expert writes a lot about the role of technology in society and was also concerned, actually, with disinformation. So it's quite interesting. His concern was how to stem disinformation. And we were talking to him about that. But he knew the people who also who were doing disinformation as well, which kind of tells you also how intertwined these kinds of things are. People who are writing about it and the people who are actually doing it. When you were thinking of this study, when you were outlining the kind of interviews that you needed, did you think you'd come across someone like Grace? Someone from Mm -hmm. PR? I think our original understanding of trolls is how people usually imagine trolls, right? They're like in a digital sweatshop, quote-unquote, all these rows of people working to troll others. And we didn't really realize at the start that there was this very highly professionalized system behind it. And Grace was one of the first ones we got to talk to that gave us an understanding of how organized these operations were and how it really involved different teams of people who might not know that they're working together, but are being orchestrated right up from from the top. Yeah, so she was very excessive in terms of like flaunting her wealth, in terms of flaunting the people she knows, the celebrities she has spent time with. She, of course, parang as a PR strategist, yeah, took us through her corporate portfolio. Like these are the celebrities from Hollywood that I worked with after taking some time to, you know, flaunt her, you know, uh, friendships and endorsements with, you know, Hollywood celebrities. She started talking about the presidential campaign that she ran. So she was very proud of this candidate. And this was a presidential campaign that, yeah, it did a good job. I thought it was pretty effective, but didn't quite land it. Obviously, hindi ito si Duterte and therefore hindi nanalo yung presidential candidate niya. And then over the course of the interview, we were actually surprised that her vice president candidate was actually for a different political party. So hindi aligned mm. yung president and vice president. Hindi unified yung ticket niya. So she was running two campaigns at that time. This was back in 2015, 2016? Yes. Mm-hmm. From two different parties, two different candidates. Uh-huh. But was the strategy different though? 
I think the strategies for both were different, if I remember correctly. But also because, although she was the chief architect of the online campaigns, there was someone else higher than her in each of these different campaigns. And that was actually what she was complaining about when we had a conversation with her. She said if she were given a more prominent role, maybe she could have made one or both of these people win. And so in a way, what Grace was telling us was she was casting this persona of herself as a pioneer of digital politics, of digital campaigning, rather than uh, seeing herself as a troll. She sees herself as a digital pioneer. And she had all these different tactics that she could use. Unfortunately, she was stymied by the more established political campaigners who weren't so much into the online. So magkaiba talaga yung, yung campaign kasi may ibang nagdidictate. But she was also saying that given the chance, she could have done so much more and could have made these candidates win. We have that on the transcript. Let's listen to it. Kasi I knew in my heart We won. Yes, because I know our numbers. I know our strength. And I knew we were cheated. As in, yes, because I was at the forefront of his campaign. I think that's it there. And I'm proud of how we launched specific hashtags. If I launched specific keywords, moving on and progressing to greatness, I'd overcome it. And it worked. So that's the kind of strategy that I'm able to offer on top of just trending. Because trending is useless eh? if there's no inner message, something to champion. She did have like very interesting points. I mean, reading through the transcript, just her sort of philosophy on who she will get for these campaigns. Like, would she go for a celebrity? Would she go for a for a parody account? She didn't really like working with celebrity endorsers for her political clients. Mahirap daw and masyado daw mahal the celebrity endorsers. And instead, she would use meme accounts, meme pages, parody accounts. And to us, I think that was the biggest ethnographic surprise, as we say in academia. That was a big discovery for us. It's from her that we first heard of this also, that crucial really to the campaign strategy is yung disiplina nung, nung messaging na siya yung magdi-dictate, right? She ruled through hashtags. That's how she dictated and orchestrated what was happening online. Meron siyang sarili niyang Twitter account, right? Tapos doon lumalabas sa Twitter account na yan kung ano yung main message and main hashtag na ipapakalat. And then you would have these influencers. So I think more than actually the stature of the people, That, that she got, which to her didn't really matter so much. It was about how these influencers would really carry the message. Kaya yung preference talaga niya, yung mga anonymous influencers. The very name of the handle, if you remember, dyan tawa tayo ng tawa kasi kung ano-anong mga mura yung pangalan ng mga... Universal uh, shit. Yung mga shoot account or something. Uh, shoot account. Something yeah. like that. Uh, not, that. That's not the exact name, but ganun yung flavor ng mga accounts. Yeah. I actually just checked one of them, Universal Shits. It's been deplatformed by Twitter. So well done, Twitter. And then of course, meron silang yung 360, di ba? Na, meron pa rin on Facebook din and on other social media platforms. And yung isang account na under her was so popular, it became so popular, and I'm sure 
if we name it, but we won't, man, many people will know this particular account. So ano nangyari? Nagkaagawan sila ng influencer. I made a mistake of using the same millennials to administer. Because of the sheer number of accounts, I cannot be the one to handle. I can't. Because I'll have to talk to clients and my Tagalog's bad. So, syempre, they're their own language, which the fellow judges can understand, or the humor. So, I have to contract kids. All they do is tweet every day. It doesn't have to be a trending topic just to keep the numbers going up. But the mistake there is because I gave them access, it's easy to hack the account. Ito nga na nakawan na naman ako ng isang account eh, which I haven't talked to Twitter to parang tinatamad na ako, parang ayoko na mag-retrieve. Nawalan ako ng 1.7 million. Okay, so it was all very organic still, no? I guess mm-hmm. because my impression of trolls is they're all robots, they're all bots. You get AI to do this. Pero parang iba yung philosophy ni Grace. It was through her that we got to meet operators of some of the most popular parody accounts. And again, it speaks to her level of confidence, right? That, yeah, she's able to introduce us as academic researchers, obviously studying digital operations. Whatever academic study we publish won't have much repercussion to her operations. So... And she also trusted the loyalty of her influencers, of the people that she works with. Pero siguro isang na, na pick up din namin while talking to the influencers is there is really this underlying kind of like tension between them and the chief architects. Because syempre, these uh, digital influencers, one day they want to become chief architects in their own right. And so meron siyang... Meron ganong tension na on one hand, they really work together and they rely so much on grace um, for the kinds of gigs that they get. But on the other hand, they are plotting a future path na parang sila, sila rin magiging ganon. Kaya, and grace is conscious of that. If you remember, John, she talked about how she could feel this. And kaya palagi niya iniiba-iba yung rules of the game how she works together with the influencers. She changes up the schemes, the payment matrix. Mm-hmm. She changes up the way that she relates with them. But they're also always on their toes. Hindi nila alam exactly how she operates things. To me, Jace, right, like we discussed this as our strategy. Parang because we interviewed yeah, different campaigners and we would always ask during our interview, so how... Does it work when you meet a political client? How do you pitch to them? And parang it depends on the answer, on this specific answer, whether Jason and I would be really impressed by how savvy their operations will be. The yung iba, parang we'll talk about, you know, like a very dry PowerPoint or we'll try to lead with statistics. Na parang, oh, I know this big data approach to digital campaigns to understand online users. That's not how Grace operates. Yeah, see, Grace, ano kagad siya, diretso kagad siya, I'm going to demo to you what I can do for you. And so what she'll do is tell a particular potential client, so watch out for it. This 7 p.m., I'm going to make this particular message trend. And it's going to be about you. So parang ganun siya. And then she backs that up with what she calls yung media valuation niya. Na ito yung mas analytical tool niya na to show you the kind of influence and reach 
that the campaigns that she operates can actually give you. So ganun yung style niya na impress ka muna niya na if you hire me, this is what I can do for you. Yung actual uh, demo, uh, how that's done. And then she goes ahead and explains that through media valuation. Oh, that's one thing about me when you hire me as a PR. I don't give you a PR plan. I'll give you media valuation plan. A media valuation predicts the X number of millions that whatever I do will gain you in terms of coverage. My record was a million dollars under 24 hours. Twice I did it. That's how I do PR. It's like I have scientific. Most publicists kasi, whether in the US or in the Philippines, mahilig sa PowerPoint. Ako natatangahan ako sa PowerPoint. Tapos yung isa pa niya kasing talent or skill that she rolls out is she can torpedo yung pag-trending ng messages from opposing political camps. I think we call it signal scrambling. Very simple yung technique niya but very effective is kung kunyari meron kang hashtag na pinapatrend and she's going against you, what she'll do is she'll launch a similar looking hashtag, maybe change an O to a zero or an S to a five. And because of that, the people who are tweeting that hashtag, their count gets broken apart. So they don't end up in the top 10 or something like that. It's her hashtag that will become number one. So meron siyang attack and counter-attack measures on Twitter. Okay, so we have this image of Grace and we more or less have an idea of the kinds of clients that she usually takes on. These are celebrities, these are for brands. And now suddenly she's pivoted to politicians. So I guess now I want to try to understand that. How does she deal with politicians? How does she deal with these clients? I mean, first of all, is she working under the PR firm that she's part of? Or are these operations just on her own? I think it's important to understand that she, Grace, has a sariling boutique local agency. And so, of yung front nito, she does our legitimate operations, so to speak, you know, with brands, celebrities, etc. But there are backroom operations, which are more about politics. So, ganun yung But it's kind of an open secret. People know that she owns this boutique that does other kinds of campaigns. But also, on the down low, she does these other things for political clients. Was a boutique agency compared to a non-boutique agency? Yung mga local boutique agencies, mas gray area sila because, you know, they operate on their own. And so, they self-regulate themselves also. Which means kaya nilang gawin tong mga on-the-site operations with not much accountability. Medyo shoddy din yung kanilang parang business and financial transactions dahil narinig namin from Grace and her collaborators na sometimes sa DM lang sila nag-uusap, walang Mm-mm. paper trail na, you know, like an official receipt. Diba? Especially for politicians. Parang nag-DM lang sila sa Twitter, sa Instagram, and magde-deposit na ng pera, magbibigay ng bonus iPhone. And actually, a lot of the clients, sabi niya, pay hold cash, di ba? And the only paper trail, maybe for investigative journalists to look at, is yung pag-transfer actually from her to the digital influencers sa ATM yun. Pero yung linking her to the clients, to the principals, 
that will prove very, very challenging kasi halos wala siyang trace. Right. And it's interesting because these are the kinds of services that politicians would go for. Bakit yun yung pinili nila? Bakit yun sa boutique ka pa? Does that say anything about the kind of campaign they were expecting her to run? I think for boutique agencies, they're much more flexible and there's a level of plausible deniability that they offer to politicians as well. And it's also interesting, um, we found other examples of, you know, a boutique agency that is running a political campaign, especially for like a local election, that they're working with not the politician directly, but a business person supporting the local mayor, the local politician, a business person with real local financial interests, you know, parang to advance parang real estate projects at the local level. And therefore, this is their way of contributing to the campaign. So again, when we talk about Kat, um, you asked about yeah, ethics and transparency. Ang hirap talaga i-trace, diba? Because even at that level, parang there's a distance between the politician who's supposed to be responsible for all the messages of their campaign. Diba? Parang we should be able to demand politicians, why is your campaign so dirty? Why are you, you know, doing so much smear campaigns against your rival? But in some cases, the politicians don't even sign off formally in terms of the actual meme and content that their campaigns are producing because there's a level of distance between them, the PR firm, and also the influencers who are doing the actual dirty messaging and smears. I see what you're trying to say. Eh? I have been thinking about this as well. Like when one of the PR strategists said that this certain politician is running a virtuous campaign, when clearly that is not the case, that's not what we are seeing. But just how well that these politicians are able to distance themselves from that kind of dirty campaign happening online because you could easily say that I never signed off to anything. It was them. It's nobody's fault, Kat. Yeah, that's that's the theme of this entire study. Everyone is passing the buck. Oh, oh, it wasn't me. It's somebody else. Oh, it's uh, the other person is the real troll. I actually remember at some point during the research, we were trying to ask them, so, sino yung gumagawa ng the actual trolling content, di ba? Yung memes, mm. who does that? The videos, yung, yung mga very vitriolic and very toxic na content. And yung chief architects like Grace would say, oy, hindi kami, kasi ako, I talk about strategy. I talk about on the direction ng campaign. Tapos yung influencers yung magta-translate into the actual content, right? So, hindi siya. And then if you talk to the digital influencers, sabihin din nila na, oh, someone else in their team, hindi sila yung gumagawa ng gano'n. And hindi mo matitrace, no one will ever say na sila yung gumagawa ng actual content na yun. I think, uh, and you've been calling for accountability since you released this paper, hmm. right? And it's been six years, you've been telling people to <laughs> <laughs> police these... Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things that we've been really talking about since the report came out is really the importance of looking at 
the broader ecosystem that has allowed people like Grace to emerge, right? And to flourish. And there's not been a lot of focus on that. Na it's not just these individual personalities, no matter how colorful they are, but it's the kind of media industry that's allowed them to happen, right? In fact, it's, it's the same people uh, who, who are in this industry at the intersection of trolling and ad and PR who say, really, what's the difference between fudging the truth in relation to brands, in relation to celebrities, and fudging the truth in relation to politics and democracy? Because a lot of the initiatives have to do with how we consume it, media literacy, fact-checking. Pero it's, I think, I'm not sure if John shares this with me, it's a losing battle because you're pitting us ordinary people trying to equip us with all of these skills versus these experts from the industry. Sino mananalo dyan? So kailangan maayos natin yung mga problema doon sa production para sana mabawasan yung, you know, we, we reduce the creation of this information rather than asking people to be more discerning. So in other words, prevention is better than the cure, right? Yeah, definitely. You've been calling for more regulation in these activities. That has been your main thesis. That has been your main battle cry since you released this study. But how did the PR strategists that you interviewed, how did they feel when you released it? Did they say anything? Such a great question. And I remember the launch of our study. It was in an Ateneo Disinformation in Democracy Forum. It was one of the first kinds of research forums that was talking about fake news and disinformation. And one of the respondents in that forum was actually a very well-known advertising guru. Parang kidalang kidala sa industriya both for her corporate portfolio, but also for her political loyalties. And my heart just broke, Jace. I remember when she said, I think this study gives too much credit to advertising and PR professionals because actually the real people who are the queens of fake news are people in the media and itong mga influencers. So once again, there's this passing the buck dynamic. There was no self-reflection. Absolutely none. But it was, oh, this study, yes, it captured some examples, but this is not the whole picture. You know, I think we need to be going after influencers and platforms are at fault here. Hindi kami, hindi ako. So we never identified her, but she was super defensive. Okay, so we know all of these things and we've talked to people like Grace. And yet they're still around. What do you think gets them going? I think one of the most heartbreaking things that, that we learned in this research is that for these people, this is a game of glory for them. For someone like Grace, she got into digital political campaigning, as she would call it, uh, trolling as others would recognize it, because she was bored. She said this, she was very bored making brands, making celebrities trend. She wanted to see if she could do the same for politicians with tarnished names, for political causes that people might not like? Will she be able to hyperextend the strategies, the weapons, the tools of ad and PR to promote these things in politics? So she saw herself as a digital pioneer, not to make the world a better place, but just because she wanted to be known. 
Okay, so we are nearing the end of this podcast. And of course, we'd like to thank Professor Jason Cabanas, Jace, for joining us in this conversation. Again, Jace is a professor at the De La Salle University Department of Communication, and he is a co-author of Architects of Network Disinformation. Now, I just want to go back to you, Jonathan. How did you feel after meeting someone like Grace? Like, what impression did you have? I'll be honest, Kat. Part of it was, oh my God, she's spilling the beans and this is gold. Yeah, when she started spilling the beans, she was so confident and arrogant, bragging about her abilities, which were impressive. So she has a way as well of, you know, seducing you with razzle-dazzle and impressing you and being funny and snarky. Yun nga, parang pa-relatable siya, parang pa-social siya. So do you see yourself like Olivia Pope of Scandal or Gossip Girl? Olivia Pope? I don't think I'm going to have an affair with the president. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. But I love Game of Thrones. Olena. Oh, I love Olena. Oh my God, who am I going to poison? Are you fans? Oh, oops, no spoilers, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Olena because she's, di ba, matandang maldita. I love her. She works in the shadows. Olivia Pope is weak. Because, I mean, I asked because I was reading through these transcripts that you sent us. And I'm just thinking to myself, uh, wow, I'm genuinely impressed <laughs> like yeah. how well she's Mm-mm. been pulling this off. And I'd hate to root for her, but I actually was at one point thinking that parang nagawa niya to. <laughs> and I can't help but, you know, and, yeah. you know, I'm also conflicted because I know full well that what she has done, the campaign she launched was really dirty and it was wrong. Yeah. And... I also can't help but feel now that if we had, if the media worked with PR strategists like her, with mm. advertising firms, instead of maybe distancing ourselves from them, we could have launched so many good campaigns for the Philippines. If this had happened during the pandemic, we could have sent a message for more vaccination, right? To get people to back, get vaccinated. Kung kailangan mo lang pala magpatrend ng hashtag na magpabakuna ka, and it could get that kind of like impact like why didn't we get to do that then and dami na sana nating natulungan ng pandemic why haven't we thought of like using this for good instead of just for disinformation that's my frustration right now i agree with you kat na parang we need to be finding ways in which we think about strategic communication skills diba not like as a dirty work as well, um, even though much of our podcast is about the dirtiest of strategic communications and PR, but, you know, the skills of messaging, relatability, authenticity, the power of stories and narratives, I think that's what the skills of Grace had, yeah, she'd been doing it yeah, for, quote-unquote, the good, you know, it could have done, yeah, like, really powerful things for our country. mm Yeah, exactly. And that is a great way to end the first three episodes of this podcast. I'm really happy I got to do this with you, Jonathan, and excited for the rest of the episodes that we will be doing. Again, I'm Kat Ventura. And this is Jonathan Ong. And this is Catch Me If You Can. This is funded by Internews and powered by Puma Podcasts.
This episode was produced by myself, edited by Presh Capistrano, and we want to give a shout out to Nina Toralba for the amazing work she did for voice acting. Follow Puo Podcast and catch me if you can on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. We love to hear from you listeners. Feel free to send us questions or comments on Twitter at Jonathan underscore C underscore Ong. We'd love to respond to your questions and comments. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's me, Kat again. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more stories like this, follow another show that I work on. It's called Teka Teka Explains. It's where we do deep dive stories on the news you need to know. 